beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Wildcard Conversations, my little show where I let the universe decide what my guests and I are going to talk about. Every episode, I pull a random card with a thought-provoking question and let the conversation unfold from there. This week, I am joined by youth empowerment coach Shara Grasser, who I am also lucky to call a dear friend. We talk about being able to live more authentically as we get older, the willingness to make mistakes and difficult conversations, moving from being an ally to being an accomplice, the power of always doing the next right kind thing, and the gift of being totally present that Chara receives from sitting bedside with the dying as a hospice volunteer. If you want to connect with Shara, her website and social media handles are of course in the show notes, along with a couple of books that we mentioned and that might be a great resource for you. As always, I hope you find joy and value in this conversation. And if you do, please follow, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, or do whatever one may do to get a small podcast in front of more listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. And without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, Shara, welcome to the pod. Thank you. And before we get into it, I want to tell people how we know each other. We met with you being the admissions advisor for my life coaching program. So one could say that I wouldn't be here without you doing this podcast because this is sort of the domino effect of taking the life coaching program. And when I had that first phone call with you, I definitely felt like we had this instant heart to heart, soul to soul, as corny as it sounds, but that kind of connection. Oh, yeah. And I met you as a person who leads with her heart. And when someone who leads with her heart makes a sales pitch, it's easy to, <laughs> to make the sale. And Aww. here we are, the program ended, what, a little over half a year ago. And yeah. I'm excited to chat with you. I am too. And, and thank you. That's, that's beautiful. Um, it's funny, you know, I don't remember every... Um, conversation that I have with a new, call them a lead, call them a student, but somebody looking at it, the program, but I do remember ours. And I do think it's because we connected both of us from our heart space in that conversation. And I love that. I love that. That's how this has all started and we're still here together. We're still here. So thank you again for giving me your time and your energy today. And I'd say we'll jump right into it and have ourselves a good old love fest or move some energy and cry or laugh or whatever the cards hold today. So awesome. I'm here for it. All of it. You might get all of it. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Well, we'll just see. All right, here we go. Shara, what has been your favorite age so far and why? Wow. Wow. I'm going to say 50, which is what I am right now. But if I have to look at what my favorite is, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I yeah, I think I have to stick with right now, where I am right now. How long have you been 50? Since July. Okay. So that's a new space. Yeah, so about six months. What makes 50 better than your 40s or your 30s or your 20s? I believe for me, why right now where I am is for a, a lot of reasons, like from what we've even had right in the past, like what I've what's led up to 50. So 
I believe though that I can say that really super confidently because I feel like I'm finally in a place that I'm living authentically. And that's come, I think, from the last, uh, for sure the last 10 years of self-discovery, you know, awarenesses, really finding my people. I mean, I'm a people's person. My gosh, I've, I, you know, I've run in a million different circles. I have a ton of friends. But then I, there's been a lot of, you know, awareness around, are they friends or are they acquaintances? And yep. what defines a friend? Like, that's a whole nother conversation, right? And then bringing my circle smaller. And and I just feel, so, so there's that component to where I am at 50 and being authentic. But there's also, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a really comfortable place financially, which doesn't mean that I have a ton of money but that I've really learned to respect money and also respect what I have right now and really see the blessings in exactly what I have and not that necessarily longing for more, but being able to be comfortable with what I have. And that's big because, and I say that, which is, is so weird. This is opening up now, like, woo, weird. Yeah. It's been really weird. It's been a weird thing. And it's like, I always felt like I, there was never enough. And now it's not about needing more or having more, but being really aware of what I already have and really enjoying it and recognizing the blessings and what I have. So it's maybe it's even bigger than the financial piece, but it's about recognizing that what I have is enough. So yeah, that's another piece of it. You know, another part of where I am is, my kids are adults and at this age, seeing them as adults and seeing them both, you know, live as independently as they can and being successful in the world, that as a mom is, that's everything, right? I, that's everything. And, you know, we have our share still of some struggles and mental health challenges in our home. And there is always a blessing in the conversations and the moving forward and the space that we have to, to nurture what is needed in that moment. And there's something about raising young adult children. You're never done raising them. I, I mean, my mom would probably say that about me. It just looks different. We just parent differently when they're young adults and adults. And it's, it's good. It's good. It's a great place to be. And it, it's to me, it ties into each other as well. To me, I, I'm not, I don't have any kids, but what I hear is that it's very expensive to raise children. And I could imagine that money then becomes even more so a source of anxiety and wondering if you have enough because it's not just you you're taking care of. You're worried about college funds and whatever else. And so it's almost like it happened at the same time. And I'm, I'm sure they're connected that you're dropping that, you know, job done. They're independent oh. adults as much as they still need your support and still want you to, you know, want you to be their mom. But it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like a, a rediscovery of sorts with this, this age of 50. Oh, it, oh, it really is. It, it really truly is. And I, you know, and I still, and I, the other thing too, about what I'm recognizing about 50, this, this age <laughs> is 
And I think it's, again, I think it's all the ages beforehand and the exploration and the self work that I chose, the self, you know, development leading up to this is how open I am and hungry to learning to do it right. And I, le I say that loosely and, and openly because of where we are in the world. You know, and a lot of the, you know, I'm, I want to learn so many different aspects of the world and where we are in, in conversations. And I want to be able to step into conversations. Um, a big piece of what I've stepped into this year is a lot of more in, engaging in more DEI work in conversations. So diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is super, I'll be honest, is super uncomfortable for me because I still am a recovering perfectionist. And so I have a fear of doing things wrong and saying the wrong thing. But I've really recognized that I'm hungry enough to do it right, that I'm putting myself into some uncomfortable places to learn. Yeah, And that just started. So that's something new also at this age. Yeah, but I do think it's all the years I've had behind me that have led me to where I am today. Right. And having more resilience when you're doing something wrong in a very uncomfortable space. And the DEI space is certainly a space where you're going to make mistakes. And the willingness to do that, you probably have more now than 20 years ago when making a mistake or hurting someone might have been devastating to you and might have scared, oh. scared you away. Oh, yeah. Or I, and I would have taken it so personal. And oh, and then read into it so much bigger and harder than it really was, right? So yeah, there's been a lot of learning in that. And you know, somebody said something to me one, or just recently I heard, I was watching a Facebook Live with one of my favorite people. I, she's, I actually feel like she's a mentor in some ways um, based on what she puts out there. And she had a guest on her, on her live. And he said something to the fact about, changing from moving from an ally to an accomplice so and that has really stuck with me in the last i think we've heard, i heard it four weeks ago but like it keeps coming up for me katya like i feel so passionate about it like that because i say i'm an ally for a lot of things like i am you know all all about the lgbtq community because my son is a gay man and and I have a lot of friends that are part of that community and ally, ally, ally. Well, what is the difference between an ally and accomplice? To me, this is just me. To me, it's all blah, 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 blah. ally, yes, wear the rainbow flag, you know, all those things. But to an accomplice, to be an accomplice to me means standing up in those conversations that are hard, speaking up, using my voice, doing. It's the action of not just you know the sharing the posts and all of that and so and i and i share the lgbtq because that's where i have always stood as an ally and so i've been looking at where else in my world do i need to move from ally to accomplice which moves us into like i was sharing those harder conversations that i tend to shy away from because i'm afraid of doing it wrong yes so an example in the in the DEI space would be going from posting about it and showing up 
marching with the march and being there to let's say you have a conversation with another white person and they say something that's not okay and then choosing to actually educate them for example is that is that what you're talking about exactly like being yeah being able to stand and address it you're right and in more from an educational space because i'm probably not going to get it perfect right but what you know when something is said that's not right like we all know it and often at times i will find myself then just backing away from the conversation changing the subject right because that's easier and where i'm most comfortable but I'm learning that I need to listen to those little twinges within. Yeah. And when something doesn't hit right, it's okay to say, I may not get this right, but I really want to address something that you said. This doesn't sit with me right. It's it's certainly a space where where I can do more. It's it's interesting that this topic is is coming up and not surprising at the same time because it's been in our conscience as a society and it should be. But the last recording I did, it also meandered in that direction sort of organically and without having a set topic for this podcast with the intent of the conversations being random and whatever wants to be spoken out during a particular conversation. It's interesting that it's it's coming back to it after having the conversation with a black woman now having that conversation with a white woman. So it's really interesting. I can't wait to listen to that. Well, we talked also about finding that balance between being an accomplice and, and speaking out and calling people in and out and educating them, but also giving each other grace at the same time. And where is that balance with it being such a topic of the moment and with it being yeah. also so divisive, sometimes it gets, it gets combative when the solution at the end of the day is love. So it's, it's almost like a paradox because you want to, we need to fight and we need to change something. And we also need to give each other love and grace. So it's, it's tricky. It's, you're right. It's so interesting because it's so divisive. It's such an emotionally charged conversation. I mean, all of it, everything that's up in the world right now. I mean, we can go even into the conversation around our education system. That is up in the world right now. I mean, and I'm gonna tell you, we're all worrying about our kids and the kids in the school and what they're lacking with where we are with this pandemic. But what about our teachers? Let's talk about the teachers because as my mentor and the person I follow on, on social media and I've taken her classes and reading her books, Dr. Jody, she's gonna tell you, our littles are only doing as good as the big people are. So who's taking care of the big people? Like with everything that's going on, we're, I mean, everything is so emotionally charged right now, which I know for me personally, there is emotion behind that. And when you bring in two very emotional beings, that's where we need to really, I agree, we need to take that deep breath and really ground ourselves in grace and love. Because I can guarantee you, and I have been in this conversation with a family member, not, not around education, but I've been in a conversation with a family member that was incredibly charged, incredibly hard. And when we got to the root of what we both were trying to stand for and do stand for, 
the root of what we both wanted was exactly the same. Yeah. But our approach to get there was so incredibly freaking different. We were butting heads in the approach. But when we could break it down, we both wanted the same thing. And once we both had that awareness and talked about that, our conversations have gone back to there's been a lot more ease, a lot more openness, because if I start to get triggered, I'm able to go, oh, wait a minute. We both have the same foundational belief. We both want the same thing. His approach is different. I don't have to agree with it, but I can hear it out. You know, I, I follow a lot of Marion Williamson's philosophy and I just reread A Return to Love and Ooh. the main message is that you can choose between fear and love. I have you... tattooed. <laughs> you go. greater than fear. <laughs> and if you choose love, it contributes to the healing of the world. But it's hard because as human beings who have egos or lower selves or whatever terminology you want to use, we are caught up in fear. Our heads are fear and the media is fear. And we're fear of not being heard, being seen, of being misunderstood, of saying the wrong thing, of losing the connection, of everything. So taking that deep breath and being like, okay, <laughs> let's come back to, to a place of love and understand that that whatever is triggering in that other human being, it's just yep. their fear, their woundedness coming up. Absolutely. It, and it does, you're right. It gives us that opportunity to separate us from them. And, and the awareness of what is theirs is theirs and what is mine is mine. I know that that, that belief, which I, I totally operate from, I mean, I tattooed it on my wrist to remind me love is always greater than fear. You know, that came to me, that became my anchor during one of the hardest journeys of my life. And it kept me out of the why. Because when we ask ourselves why things are happening, all it does is spin us. And we may never know the answer. But in the process of trying not to believe that we're never going to know the answer, we make up a big freaking story. Mm -hmm. And then it just spirals us, right? But that's fear. That's the fear stepping in. So, you know, I had to ground myself in that love is greater than fear message so that every time I stepped into this space, I was able to always come from that place, which changed how I was able to show up every time I show up, showed up. And then in that, I... It was one of the hardest losses in my life. It was losing my sister-in-law, who was my absolute best friend. And she was, you know, 47, lost her life to cancer um, after almost a year of fight fighting. And in that, she gave me the greatest gift. And I realized that, and this is just something I, I volunteer with, but I became a hospice volunteer because I recognized, and not everybody could do that, but that I had a gift to be able to hold space and sit bedside end of life with individuals yeah. because it was such a sacred time and to be able to hold space from a place of love instead of the fear of death, what that energetically was giving the soul in front of me and their family members was, there's no words for it. It's, it's, yeah. 
Yeah, I just shook myself over here because I got goosebumps all over my body. So thank you for sharing that. And and I do think it's it's such a gift to to hold that space because it's for, for a lot of people it's it's scary. And that makes sense that it's scary. So for you to be in a place where it's not scary or not scary anymore and right. offer that as a service to other people, I think. I think that's wonderful. Well, you know, it's so interesting in this selfishly, this is something I have learned from that gift is to be able to sit bedside with someone is the most present I am in my life. And I'm, I mean, squirrel, like I'm not, I've never been diagnosed ADD. I've self-diagnosed myself and I know we shouldn't joke about that because it is serious, but like I feel sometimes like I am a squirrel, like I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And what I recognized when I was stepping into that role was that when I was sitting bedside, I was incredibly present to that moment, to that space, to that soul. And I had never experienced being so present. And I was like, this is the gift I'm getting in return. Holy, like, don't tell me to meditate. Like, I can't sit with my eyes closed for two minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one eye, you know, like, so looking out one eye and checking out who's sitting around me or did my email just ding or like, I'm not, I don't have that discipline. Doesn't mean I couldn't have it, but I have not invested in that. <laughs> but put me next to a person to share space as they're transitioning or in that end of life. And I am a hundred percent in that moment. It's very interesting. Mm, it makes sense though, because what is more sacred than birth and death, right? Because right. those are moments that are very unique. They each only happen once and in every, you know, every single lifetime, yeah. that's another story, but you're only going to get that one chance. There's no, let's meet again next week. <laughs> you don't know Great it really. Point. Yeah. It is that you never know how many more, more moments you have in a very much real and experiential manner of this might be the last time I, I sit with this person. So. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting though. Okay. So th think about this. Like this has me processing like what that experience in those moments of presentness, the gift in those, not just for me, but the, you know, I, I recognize that in the person that I'm with, but imagine if every moment mm -hmm. could be like that. Like, like I feel super present with you now, total gift in that. But like, how much do we find ourselves multitasking? on a call while we're sending off a quick email. So we're half here, half there. Like, I mean, and some of that is we, I get it. It's, it's the world, but, but like it has me thinking where in my life, what relationships in my life, oh boy, not, not, I don't even have to ask. I know. Could I be more present and what would that look like and how would I show up? Yeah, really embodying this whole idea of this could be your last moment right living every this like living every day like it's your last da, 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 da. but that's the teaching you're getting from these hospice experiences of like where else can I do that and 
Yeah, I, I, I listened to something a while ago, so I'm probably going to get the country wrong, but a, a country in Asia, I think it's Bhutan, they are measuring the country's success, not in gross domestic product, but in gross happiness product. And I'm not sure how exactly they're measuring that. And part of the national c- campaign and the program to enhance the people's happiness is that they are encouraged to think about death every day and the fact that they will die. And I I think it's so interesting and that you telling me about those experiences just brought me back to that thought. And because if you every day take two minutes, five minutes, whatever, or just a moment and think about the fact that you will die, that's a fact, it might then encourage you to be more present for every interaction. Absolutely. And I mean, I think there's a whole lot even around death in general and the conversations and it's the conversation nobody's comfortable with and people don't want to talk about. And so many of us leave this world without even planning, right? Because it's just not been comfortable of a conversation. Yet it is, if you were born, it is the one thing you are guaranteed. We're not guaranteed to get married. We're not guaranteed to get have kids. I mean, but we it is true we are going to die. But yet, look how much time we plan around spending, you know, time spending planning a wedding and mm-hmm. Pinterest boards mm-hmm. and all this. And you may not even be dating anybody. What what names might you name your children? But you may never have a child. But we don't spend even time around conversations around death or planning what that would look like. You know, it's interesting when I went through the training program that you also went through, which is how we met as we were sharing, we had a module where we had to write our eulogy. And there was a whole piece of work then around that. And that's not part of the curriculum anymore. But I will tell you, it was one of the most influential, life-changing experiences to write that. And and part of the reason I say that is because someone that went through the program when we were doing that work, who was very dear to me, she was on a lung transplant list. And she asked me to be her spiritual coach at that time because she needed somebody grounded in the same beliefs to just hold her hand and walk this walk. And I didn't get a full chance to do that because she lost her life waiting for her lungs. Mm. But she told me that that eulogy experience brought her so much peace and having to get to write out everything that she knew she wanted to be remembered for, known for, and loved for, and to be able to actually look at that and then leave that for her family was the biggest gift that she walked away with. Yeah. Well, and a, and a gift to the family as well. Right. But uh, on a lighter note, when you were just sharing about that, and I was just thinking about what that exercise may look like for me, it can also really light a fire under your ass. But right? because of your, you having to be honest with yourself, looking back at your life, wherever you are in that particular moment when, when you're doing that exercise. And then it's like, you know, do you want it to say she spent... 30% of her day on average on Instagram, you know, like that's not, we don't want that. <laughs> no, but is, there's a lot of truth there, right? I mean, it really does make you look at how are you spending your days? Well, and it doesn't mean that you have to be out 
you know, doing something that's written up in the paper. I mean, those those moments can happen one interaction at a time. I mean, look at how the majority of people will respond when you smile at them yeah. or you hold the door for them or you call somebody by their name because they're wearing a name tag. Like, that's my favorite thing to do is thank someone with their name or ask for something from them using their name because they all look at you like, first of all, like, how did you know that? And then they smile and then you have like, you're able to have this cool conversation and acknowledgement of each other. Yeah. I think that that is so true. And I think just kindness again, like it is, it is grossly underrated. And I think people are surprised by it. I was, I was on the phone with a customer service representative the other day and, you know, she did her, her thing that she has to do. Good morning. My name is Ashley. Thanks so much for being a rewards customer, whatever, whatever. And then I said, good morning, Ashley. And she's like, oh, well, thank you so much for the good morning. I was like, well, of course. Right. So just that will sometimes startle people. So yeah, the, those little things of, am I going to be remembered for my kindness, right? And how I treated people and how I called people by their name and chose to wish them a good morning and all of that stuff. Yeah. I just, I truly believe that you change the world by always doing the next right kind thing. That's it. And it's going to look different for you. It's going to look different for me. It's going to look different for them. Like it's going to look different, but as long as it's the next right kind thing, that's all that matters. Imagine if everybody was walking and waking up every day and walking out going, all I have to do today is the next right kind thing. Yeah. Damn, that'd be a beautiful place. Yes, it sure would. I would sign my name on that petition for sure. (laughs) Yes, I would be right there with you. (laughs) Let's go knock on some doors. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's so true. It's not hard. It can be. Because again, sometimes when someone is unkind to you, you're ego's instinct is to react to it with anger or fear or whatever yeah and you're and you're right and it doesn't matter how aware or evolved you are there is still those moments where there is it's you're triggered or it's not that and your response isn't the next right no thing that's called human being exactly if you're not triggered anymore and not making mistakes anymore and always just acting out of love then you don't need to be on this on this earth anymore because then you're not human anymore you've evolved to the next spiritual level (laughs) amen that is so true you're right well i knew we were going to be on the same page so this is an easy conversation It, it is but and i and i just had a moment of this all started with the question of what is my what was my best age? Yeah, what's your favorite age? I would have if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have never told you it was going to be 50. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, we're in this oh. society of eternal youth, right? Especially in in America where old people or older people are being discarded and we're trying everything to preserve our faces from when we're 20 and all of that stuff. So I think your perspective on that is, is needed. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I really said 50, huh? But I do, you know, and, and, and maybe at 40, I would have said 40 and maybe 21, I would have said 20, probably not. 
but you know what I mean? I, I'm like, I really think though every year leading up to where I am today has really greatly contributed to why I can say this is the best Yeah. right now. Everything happens for a reason and a season and some things stay with us for a lifetime, but yeah, interesting. I do want to, for the last few minutes that we have together, when that question first came up, part of your response was that you are now able to live authentically. And I've been just waiting to ask you, because I think it's such a, such a punchline in spiritual development, personal development mm-hmm. circles, just live authentically, you know, just step mm-hmm. into your authenticity. Oh, yeah. So for you, what does that mean? And how's it different than when you're not living authentically? So I would say for me, what that means is living my life fully expressed. And I have, in fact, we were laughing about this when we were trying to get our mics to work. And you were like, I can't hear you. And I'm like, do you want me to turn my mic up? Oh my God, nobody's ever told me to turn my mic up. I am loud, right? Like, so I have big energy and I, even as a young kid, had my ears tested numerous times because they thought I was hard of hearing. I am not hard of hearing. I'm just super excited about life. But through the process and being told to quiet down and shh and a hush and all that, I really was dimming myself and didn't know how to use my energy in a way that let me like really be happy and excited and and to show up complete me spiritually mentally physically emotionally like all of it which is a lot for some people and I get that now I get that um and I am better about meeting people where they are energetically and I've imparted and learning of that has allowed me though to continue to show up myself like a hundred percent this is who I am come into those conversations excited and not dim away and you know and that's part of like those afraid of being perfect and really working on that it's not about being perfect it's not about being right it's being able to gracefully hold those conversations and openly and being willing to be wrong hell no sometimes it's easier to dim away or let ego step in well that's not how i want to be authentic did that answer the question oh yes 100 percent. and i was just like It did. And I do want to reflect back to you that when I think of you, if I'm telling someone about you who's never met you, I will say that you have the biggest heart and you're very compassionate. And I also say that you are just a natural hype woman and cheerleader in the best, greatest sense possible. And that comes from you allowing yourself to be loud and excited and literally cheer for everyone you meet. And if people can't receive that energy, then that's okay too. But that doesn't mean that you stop cheering. That is right. Because when I stop cheering, then I've completely lost myself. That's that. I and mean, you want here come the tears. Like, like seriously, when I think about that, like that makes me emotional. I can't imagine not being that person. That is just who I am through and through. And and don't get me wrong, I there are hard freaking days, you know, like there are days that I struggle to get out of bed, like we all do, right? Yes, I'm typically a very positive person and I show up 100% and 
it goes back to Don Miguel Ruiz and one of his four agreements is always do your best. And what I learned in studying that agreement was your best will look different every day. Mm-hmm. Your best can look different in every moment, right? Yeah. But as long as you're doing your best. And so I know that even in the hardest of days, my best might look different. But as long as I can go to bed at night and say I did my best, then I was that then I was myself. You should think about motivational speaking sometimes, Sarah. If I could have someone that would prompt me <laughs> like you. Hey, maybe we're going to hit the road. You know, that's funny you say that. I do love that piece of my work. And and there, there are times I get called in to do facilitations for organizations. And, you know, I'm facilitating their stuff. Like, I don't know anything about them. But they're telling me this is what I want to facilitate. But I get to bring in, like, all the exciting, like, keep the conversation going. And, I, yeah, that's where I do get to be that. Well, and it is a wonderful gift that you are giving to the world. So thank you for that. Thank you for, thank you for recognizing that. And thank you for shining a light on that. Well, one would have to be blind and deaf to not recognize it. (laughs) Well, I'd say that's a good place to wrap it up. We're right at time. I'm getting you out of here on time. You are. So you don't have to stress. So go ask good time management. And yeah, thank you again. And it's, it's been a wonderful conversation and I'm still amazed. This is my second recording. And when I came up with this idea, I wasn't sure if this was going to work where I just pull one question, one card in the beginning, and then a whole 45 minute to an hour, whatever conversation evolves from there. I'm like, is that really going to work? But here we are two for two. So Thank you so much for being, being number two. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. And I, I wanted to say, I'm really excited. I think this, the cards are amazing. You are an amazing facilitator and you are so fun to sit and have conversation with. So thank you for seeing me and inviting me. Oh, thank you. There's our love fest that I promised the people. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Shara. <laughs> <laughs>